0: From Chagdagompa Riggs and Lane, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition presented by Lamas of Chagdagompa Foundation. Our website is Chagdugumpa.org
1: Generally, we don't bring our shoes in because they're dirty, and this shrine room is a place where we have a great respect, and so we don't bring our shoes in. And that's another reason why we sit on the floor. It, unless, of course, you have a physical limitation, then you're welcome to sit on the chairs. But usually, meditators, practitioners of a Buddhist sort would sit on the floor and in that way demonstrate their humility and their willingness to learn. That they're, they're like sitting at the foot of the Lama, like to be someone who wants to learn and to to uh, uh, be open. We also wear these kind of cloths. Some of you should be wearing your cloths, and then you are not, but generally, when we come in the shrine room, we show our respect by wearing the cloth. Even when it's hot, we wear the cloth. Because again, it's a matter of respect. But also, the cloth reminds us of what we're doing. It reminds us that we um, turn to the Buddha for our guidance. It reminds us that in that guidance, our values are to not harm others, reminds us. And in that we don't harm others, More than that, it reminds us that our purpose is to help others, and it reminds us that we use extraordinary methods that are both wisdom and technique in order to accomplish a power to be able to really help others, because helping others is not necessarily an easy thing to do sometimes they don't even want to be helped, and that's not the point, whether they want to be helped or not, like a child may not want to eat, but he does need to eat, so we help as best we can, and even raising our children, we're like crazy sometimes, we have no idea what to do with these children. So the, the necessity of what, what we're doing when we wear this is we're, we're remembering our dedication to a greater capacity to help others. It's not just like a dress code or style, certainly not style, <laughs> although I do have many stylish students. Very shaky, doorman. Many things here are very odd and different, like bones. We have bones. Look at my little drum. My little drum is made out of two skulls,
0: human skulls. Ew. Eerky. But it
1: has a meaning. It has a meaning that's even important to us in modern times, because now, like now, we have a big economic crisis. Our money is worth a fourth of what it used to be worth. It could get worse. You know, we used to be rich, mais ou menos, but now it's much more menos than mais. And that's the way it is with things in this world. So the great meditators of the past were poor people. They weren't rich people. They wandered. And so as poor people, what were they going to use as a bowl? Clunking around somewhere, they found a head bone, clunking around somewhere.
0: They cut it, it's a perfect bowl. It's a perfect horn. A leg bone. Is a perfect
1: horn. If you have no horn, what are you going to to make a sound with if you have no horn? You use what you can do. You use what you've got. This is what the tradition is about. It's not about trying to have fancy things. It's about using what you've got. For what? Using it in order to Eliminate the delusion and confusion of ordinary people and enhance their wisdom and capacity and help place them at a level of freedom and enlightenment. Using an old bone clunking around somewhere turned into a drum. Nowadays, these things are very expensive. It's shameful. It's shameful because it doesn't come from an expensive tradition. It comes from a tradition of poverty. What did the the great yogis and meditators didn't live in beautiful houses? They lived in caves. They lived on the side of the road. They lived in a little hut. They lived in, in simple places in simple ways because that's what they had. But that doesn't mean that they were poor in spirit. It doesn't mean they were poor in wisdom. Oh my goodness. They were rich. And that didn't have to do with the numbers at, you know, the bank. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with wealth. There were kings in our tradition, very, very wealthy people whose responsibility as wealth holders was that they would help care for the others who didn't have so much wealth. Often it was the kings who built the monasteries, lamas and monks and nuns and yogis on the side of the road. They didn't have wealth. Who had the wealth? Who were the kings? And that was their job, was to establish the places of education and institutions that could be open doors for others to find their way, in a sense, like this place.
0: This place is a product of people's generosity. Every brick,
1: every, every stroke of paint here was contributed and produced by volunteers and donors, people who practiced generosity. Even when they didn't have much, they practiced generosity, because that generosity created the causes and conditions that people could find wisdom, that people could learn the methods for greater understanding and freedom. So, this place, in the same ways as the old traditions, this place is a product of generosity. And it doesn't, you know, we don't pass a basket around like a church. Instead, we encourage people to take, to, to, to maintain a, a, a a stream of support we call that membership but it's not like you're becoming a member of a club and it's not like you're going to ever get a sale like discounts or promotions that's never going to happen because this is about how here you sit and many of you are very new you're here for the first time but you should understand that sitting on this floor is sitting on the donations of others, of other people, some wealthy and some not. Because the practice of generosity is the practice of every practitioner. No matter who they are and no matter how much they have, they practice generosity. And so then that's how we do things here. If you ever wonder, you know, how does this work? That's how it works, is by people's generosity. So, just as a little introduction, and in case you want to be involved, you're certainly welcome to always come and listen on Sundays, and any other time there are teachings, like next weekend, there will be teachings for for actual beginning of practice, uh, people who want to really uh, get going with the methods of Vajrayana Buddhism. And, um, and you should just watch the schedule. So if you want to receive mailings or information from us, you need to give us your name. First, generosity. Giving your name. So then you can be uh, informed. Our generosity. Because the activities of the gompa is an activity of generosity. Generosity from the fact that we build the place, we make the place, we support the place, we maintain the place, and we try to make it available to you, that you could enjoy. So there's generosity every on every side, in every way, because generosity is the basis of prosperity. People that made the offerings originally for building the temple, they knew your bunda would be here. (laughs) That they knew their offering was going to be supporting your bunda. And that's what made them happy, is that you could listen to the teachings, that you could contemplate the meaning of the teachings, that you could find in your heart your pure intention to bring benefit to beings. And that moved them to make generosity. Kind of like a mission. Having a mission in life. I think in our world, we suffer a lot because we don't have a mission. And so when we lose our job, for example, we're heartbroken because we have confused our profession with our mission. And profession is not a mission. Profession is a (laughs) self-service. Profession is, I mean, unless you're, what, uh, I don't know, some kind of philanthropic person, then your profession is to help you and to help your family. But your mission is to help others, the ones who never say thank you the ones who never notice. Your mission is what changes the world, not just you and your family and your special ones. So why we have such a crisis over our profession and our economics and all these things is because we have mistaken those things as our mission when really they're not... It's not that it's wrong or bad for you to have a job. It's not that, I mean, you need to. That's necessary. Our stories require that, but that doesn't mean it's your mission. So the people who put their effort either to work or to be generous towards their mission was to create the conditions where you could sit here
0: today. That kind of generosity. You know, the teachings themselves are not my invention.
1: I received them from my, from my Lama, who was so generous. Not just generous by physically giving or physically building, although he did all that. He was generous in his teachings. He was generous in his practice. That he not only listened to the teachings that was the generosity of his teachers, but the experience that's found by the fact that they meditated. The generosity of actually practicing. That that generosity is un unbelievably great. And that generosity goes all the way back to the Buddha. The Buddha didn't have to teach. The Buddha attained enlightenment.
0: He could have just, you know, done that, been there, finished, all done. But he didn't. He taught. He doubted whether, you
1: know, we would ever understand. But anyway, he taught. He meditated, and then what he gained in meditation, he shared. That is the greatest generosity. And from the time of the Buddha on down, generation by generation, It had to be true that there was someone who actually listened, got it, and then meditated. And then through meditation, they
0: gained the wealth of enlightenment. And then they taught. Someone who listened you know, even to listen is
1: a kind of generosity. Like for you to be here, you could be out doing something else today. It's a lovely day. But to
0: come here and sit on the floor and listen is a kind of generosity.
1: The generosity of your, your, your concentration, the generosity of your concern and your heart. From from the time of the Buddha until now, there were these people with this kind of heart that would listen. And not just listen like goes in one ear, out the other ear, and you know, leave it on the floor when you leave type people. They were people who put it in their heart, and their heart, they began to practice the generosity of pure heart. Generosity. The generosity of including beings in your love and compassion. Not just leaving them out there somewhere, you know,
0: drying up with their own problems. Not my problem. Excuse me. You know, there are the
1: people who think, I have to take care of me. I don't care about anybody else. I have to take care of me. But the great meditators had the generosity to include in their intention, to include in their, in their reach, however far their reach could go, to include in their reach the needs of all beings. That is generosity. And that reach is reaching to us today by this unbroken link of lineage of great-minded beings who meditated and shared how. How to do it. And they demonstrated how. How to do it. So someone with the same kind of heart could actually find out how you do this not just for themselves but out of their generosity of love and compassion for the sake of every being whoever they are wherever they are what planet they live on or what rock they live under that they were included how do you think it could get to you you were included all the way back to the Buddha you were included And from that point down, in a flawless lineage of method and wisdom of generous people before you, like my teacher before me and his teacher before him, if any one of them had decided not to, like to just, you know, forget it, not this life. If any one of them had decided not to, where would we be? But because of this unbroken lineage, we can actually find this. So it's not just the bricks and the paint and the tonkas. It's not just the the fact that there's wood under your bunda holding you up. It's that this lineage lineage of, of love and compassion and generosity has come down through time perfectly unbroken.
0: And now you, from you, who listen, who practice pure heart,
1: who meditate, because if you don't know,
0: you have nothing to offer. I'm so sorry. You can do nice things. You can make a cake.
1: You can give them a ride. You can, you know, have a baby. What a nice thing that is to do, to give a child a human life. You can do these things, but it's not going to make the greatest change or benefit for them. In order to really help, to really, really change something for the better for beings, you have to have wisdom. And mostly, you have to have wisdom because It's not easy, and there are difficulties along the way. How are you going to see through the difficulties and be patient? How are you going to see through the difficulties and be diligent? How are you going to see through to not give up when it's the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst,
0: and then worse than that? We have trouble if it's too hot. If it's too hot outside, we can't be nice. If it's too cold, we can't be nice. If someone calls on
1: the phone at the wrong time, we can't be nice. We have limited capacity now. You need to have greater strength and greater capacity to be able to ed- ed- endure the difficulties on forward in order that it can benefit others. We're not the only ones. The ones before us endured great hardship. You know, my teacher went through the loss of his country. In his family, there were more than a hundred people. By the end of the Chinese invasion, there were four people left in Rinpoche's
0: family. That's, you know, that's annihilation. And in
1: that, Rinpoche never stopped. For us, you know, we have some difficulties, not so bad, but yes, some. And they can be worse. No promise that just because you do Dharma, things are going to be easy. I would say that's, that's not true. Doing Dharma means you do it for the benefit of others,
0: no matter the cost that it doesn't matter the difficulty, you will never stop. This is why we wear the the cloth, to remind us we don't stop. We never stop.
1: Until every being is placed at the level of complete enlightenment, I will work for the benefit of beings. That kind of training, I saw manifest in my teacher. I know he saw that manifest in his teacher's. And that's what we have to do, too. We need strength and we need wisdom to be able to carry on in any
0: adversity, no matter what happens, because things happen. Impermanent, they are. But still, they happen. So we have to keep going.
1: My teacher, Chakti Chukurumche, was famous for saying, just keep going. Just keep going. He said, it's like swimming. You don't stop. You drown. So you just keep going. If a flower floats by... It doesn't work to stop because a flower floated by. A <gasps> flower! You know, like... No, yes, a flower floated by. You keep swimming. If one cocoa floats by, you don't, it doesn't work to go, ah, A cocoa! Oh, no. And then, you know, That's it. One cocoa. Just Keep swimming.
0: Keep swimming as the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and great masters have done before you. You
1: must know the truth so that you can practice that kind of generosity that actually cares for the beings in the future, cares for the people like you who need to know
0: what would I have done if I didn't have Rinpoche? What would I have done? What, where would I go? What would, how would I find that? So this generosity of the lineage is the greatest
1: generosity of all. That they would meditate, that they would contemplate, and that they would struggle, They would go through adversity and difficulties and
0: obstacles, and they didn't care. They didn't care how difficult it was. They just carried
1: on to realization so that they could
0: share that, so that all beings could finally be free. Actually, even to be able to sit here as a human being
1: who made some choices in your life today to come here to the temple, you know, you had, it's not easy to get a human life. It's not easy to be born in a human body. There are zillions of possible bodies and lives you could be born with. But instead, you got a human life. That alone is really rare. So, Rinpoche used to say, as the, the they can't explain things in numbers because numbers don't really matter. But the example is if there was a turtle, a huge turtle, who lived in the bottom of the sea, and the sea was as huge as the universe. And once every 100 years, this turtle would rise from the bottom of the sea to take a little breath of air and then go down for another 100 years to sit and and stew down there. And on the surface of this great universal sea, there was a yoke, a wooden yoke, just floating along randomly by winds and waves, just, you know, No order, no direction, no navigation, just just helplessly moving along the surface of the sea. And that the turtle would come up in its 100-year breath and put its head directly through that yoke. That's how rare
0: is to be born a human being. So just to be here as a human,
1: let alone all the conditions of lineage and generosity and everything and, you know, the course of your everyday life, I mean, really, when you look at all the interdependence, it's really remarkable that you could be here and that you could hear, that you could listen more, that you could really comprehend what's being said to you. And more great than that, that you could actually apply yourself to question the teachings. Is that true? What was that woman talking about? You could really give some thought to it. And then when you give thought to it, you come to conclusions. To come to the conclusion, that it is valuable, I need to know more about this. Imagine how rare, how precious, how unbelievably amazing that is. And then, you don't have long. This precious, 100-year-breath interdependence thing, it doesn't last long. You have maybe 100 years at best, but if you lived to be 100, how good are you? You know, think about the real prime time of your life. Childhood is pretty much wasted. Actually, most of the teenage years are pretty much wasted. Actually, most of the adult years are wasted too. Because all we're trying to do is make money,
0: get somewhere, be somebody, have a nice house. And then it all starts to slip through our fingers. And we can't keep it.
1: You know, the old people, they can't keep their, their houses they work so hard for. They don't have the power to be able to do that. Even if they think, oh, I, gained, I, I made all this money, the money becomes worthless. You know what you should do? You should go visit the, the ladies at the old folks' home. There's not men there because men die young. The old ladies, all of them are full of old ladies because men don't survive long compared to women. Go talk to those old ladies. What did they used to have? Now they have one bed. They have the company of other old ladies. They used to dance, and sing songs, and go places, and do things. No more.
0: Oh, and they had children that now never call. They never call. It becomes like a whole day thing to have lunch. It becomes a crisis to get to the bathroom. It's not a pleasure, our old age. It's not a productive period. Even if you're rich, it's just as hard to get to the toilet.
1: It's impermanent. You need to know that now. It doesn't work to cry about it later.
0: You need to know that now. This is not keepable.
1: Even your human body, which is your greatest asset. Nothing is more important than your body. Nothing. Your human body is your greatest, most precious, and most remarkable asset. And it is not keepable. We are impermanent. We will die. But your mind doesn't die. <clears throat> now that's an interesting concept, because we think, oh, I'm not going to die. Well, I, the little i thing, that dies. Your personality dies. Your memory dies. Your hopes and fears, they all die. Everything dies, except the nakedness of your absolute being. So what Buddhism, what Buddha meant to give to you is the ownership of your own absolute mind. That which will never die. That which is not improvable or reducible. That which is Buddha. Your Buddha nature. And we, we aren't in possession of our Buddha nature, even though we have it, we're totally in possession of the I. What I want, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, what I like, what I don't like, who I am, what I need, blah, 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 blah. And it turns out not even to be who we are. It's just kind of a function that has become a runaway, like a runaway car. We have a runaway eye and it's running and we're helpless. So we meditate because meditation is what the Buddha taught us to do, to gain the experience of the true nature of your
0: mind. There are many necessities We have to purify karma, and we
1: have to accomplish um, virtue, and we have to accomplish wisdom. But wisdom is only accomplished through meditating. And the people like, there are many of you Buddhists, you've heard me say this many times before, but you're still not meditating. There's a difference in liking the ideas of Buddhism, and actually accomplishing the realization of Buddhism. Liking the ideas is sweet. I think it's lovely. It's great. You should. And you should be educated to understand the ideas of Buddhism. But the ideas need to lead you to meditate, because that's how you get through. Your ideas will not get you through. You don't get to think your way to enlightenment. Your thinker is impermanent. Why do you think I put that big statue out in front of the temple of the Buddha laying there? That statue is the death of Buddha. That is the Buddha's para-nirvana, because even the Buddha's body couldn't maintain.
0: But Buddha mind... Here, unceasing. You have to move
1: from the not knowing of your Buddha nature to the knowing, to the being of your Buddha nature. And that conquers death. So this human life you have is the most important. You shouldn't think, oh, next life. Oh, not me, poor little me, I couldn't do that. In order to be beneficial for others, you must attain salvadoria. You need to bring that radiance and magnificent power and freedom for all
0: beings. And now you have a chance. How rare that is. How many really have a chance? So this is why we listen.
1: And this is why we contemplate what we we learn. And this is why we begin to apply what we learn to our own mind. It's not meant to be applied to others. The Buddhist teaching is meant to be applied to your own mind. And then applying it to your own mind you begin to realize what's really true beyond impermanence. And then you don't have to be afraid. You're not afraid to be loving. You're not afraid to be compassionate. There's no reason why you wouldn't help. There's no limitation to your kindness and your power and your blessing. Whoever sees you or hears you or touches you or remembers you, because you found that. You can share that. And you become a
0: lineage holder. You become the one who brings benefit to beings. Um, After we take a short break,
1: then we'll have a meditation, which is a Meditation of Love and Compassion, which um, is usually conducted by Michelle or one of the other students here. And the opportunity of sitting in that meditation is, it helps you first understand a a technique for for extending your love and compassion to more and more people, and also for you to um, have a chance to understand the strength and the power of meditating together. When people sit to meditate together, it's stronger. It's harder at home alone. You might think it's easier because you get to do it any way you want, but actually, the power of our minds together is greater. Rinpoche used to use an example. If there's If a tree falls on the road, if one person has to move it, it's almost impossible. But four or five people, six or seven people, we can move it easily. And so the power of meditating together is something that you come to experience by, by sitting down with a group of people and practicing together. So that's the advantage of doing it together. And also then it helps you because when you learn how to do it with people, then when you go home you can do a little better. Not that it's easy, but you can do a little better. So we invite you to participate in that. And uh, now, we'll dedicate the merit. Again, I said generosity is the basis of all prosperity and good fortune. So, whatever merit there was created by the teaching, whatever merit or positive energy there is in that you sat and listened, not only what you do here, but as you go into your life and you implement a greater effort towards harmlessness and a greater effort towards helpfulness, that's an amazing thing, that's going to change your experience of reality. The more kind you are, the greater the benefit you experience. And so then, there's a lot of positive results created by a teaching like today. And so we dedicate the merit, not only for ourselves, but for all beings. Because everyone wants to be happy, but they don't have the causes and conditions for happiness. (laughs) I had a dream yesterday. It was such a strange dream. Here was a wall made of bricks, and in the wall, like bricked into the wall, were two ducks. I could see their little fluffy butts, and the ducks are like quacking at each other stuck in a wall, they can't move, they can't do anything. And it was just so amazing, the illusion, because of course it was a dream, it's not true at all. And also the compassion, because here they are, like, stuck in a brick wall, nowhere to go, their feet are there, they're quacking there, they can't do anything. That's what's happening to unenlightened beings. Unenlightened beings are bricked in a wall. They're a duck, or a ghost, or a human, or any kind of animal. Whatever their story is, whatever their experience is, isn't the truth of who they are. They're stuck in an illusion, like bricked into a wall that isn't even true. So then, with deep compassion, for the challenge of unenlightened beings, we dedicate this merit to them. Whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever kind of sensation of a wall that they're bricked into, whatever sensation they have of their feet just floating in space, we give our merit to them, that this dream could dissolve, and that they could wake to realize their true nature, as none other than enlightenment, is none other than absolute freedom and fulfillment, none other than Buddha nature.
0: This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Gumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagompa, feel free to go to org.